What's up, guys? Rachel Lindsay here, and I am teaming up with your favorite Ringer podcasters to deliver the Bravo drama and news that you've been craving on Morally Corrupt. It's the show about all things Bravo, from the housewives to summer house and everything in between. We'll be mentioning it all every week. Check it out on Spotify and TheRinger.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, You're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Weekends on the Ringer NBA Podcast. I'm your host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazley Lambray, and I'm joined by a very, very, very special guest. Um, you know we get nothing but the best here, a.k.a. people that I've worked with and am personal friends with, or in Jay King's case, he's both. <laughs> My well, boy. People, you, you, you lost their number, man. <laughs> I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to go there. Let's just clear this up for for the masses. So I recently got a new phone number. Not because... Man man left the athletic. All of a sudden, stopped responding to texts. Got a a new phone number. Didn't let anybody know. (laughs) Not because of anything like that. I literally just... It was just a fuck up on my end. And so I had to get a new number. And Jay King sees me in San Francisco. We're we're there for games one and two, and we're, you know, we're at a bar having some libations. And he goes to me, he has this wary <laughs> look on his face, and he says, Bro, you changed your number? <laughs> and I'm like, Yes, Jay King, I didn't block you. I wasn't ignoring your text. I got a new phone number. <laughs> I swear, I sent you the nicest text too. I was like, man. It's so great to listen to you talk hoops. Like I, I, I miss chatting with you on on the shows. <laughs> like, like this whole this whole thing about how great Waz is. 
And <laughs> I got nothing back, man. I got, oh, my God. I just, was like, damn, Waz, Waz left and he is brand new. Just just the picture that is is hilarious. And and trust me, J. King, this, there's plenty of people who I'd, I'd rather never speak to again. You are... <laughs> Way far from that list. Um, you're one of my favorite people in the biz. So thank you for I coming on today. I appreciate that, Waz. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. You love me so much. You didn't even tell me you got a new number. Oh, man. here we go. Here we go. I did the Instagram thing, the lazy Instagram thing. It was just like, I have a new number. Just hit me. And, you know, obviously we're going to exchange numbers again. Um <laughs> And and somebody called me out. I was like, well, why don't you just text all of the people who are most important to you in your life? I was like, because this is way easier. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's hard. That's hard work. Changing your it, number is tough. It's 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 awful. Um, I'm never doing it again. Um, <laughs> unless of course I become very rich and famous. Um that point I'll have an actual reason to do it and not just um because I was stupid. So <laughs> let's just get into the series because. I think it's absolutely lived up to the billing. Um, I thought the matchup was just beautiful. Just, you know, the youth versus the grizzled vets. The, you know, the best offense of the era versus probably the best defense of the era. Although last year's Bucks were something pretty fierce, Yeah, too. they were fierce. Um, I just love the matchup. I love the idea of the Celtics being this young team and they would have to like actually figure it out. This wasn't going to be something that was handed to them. And I think the series has lived up to it so far. Our producer, Isaiah, big, big, big Celtics fan. And he is just so stressed out by this team. The highs and the lows. They what are the you... most stressful team for Oh my goodness. What do you think? about their performance from game four was most characteristic of this current Celtics team? I mean, the whole thing. <laughs> when, they, when they go ahead in a series, the whole playoff run has just kind of been, all right, time, time to throw turnovers, time to have lazy offense, time to, time to take bad shots. And it's just kind of been that way since early in the Milwaukee series. When things go right for the Celtics, they kind of revert offensively to to some bad habits. Uh, and obviously that's been kind of the story of their season is trying to eliminate some of that bad offense, the your turn, my turn stuff. And they've come a long, long way from where they were in January when they were in 11th place. But I think sometimes when, when they get a little comfortable, they, they go back to some of that stuff. And and you can see they're a little more stagnant. They're not getting the right types of opportunities, and and so yeah, that's that's the part that's been just kind of their Achilles heel throughout the whole playoff run. Whenever they've gotten comfortable, they just fall right back into that stuff, and and it let Milwaukee put the put them to the edge. It let Miami put them to the edge, and. And now, you know, they had a chance to go up 3-1. They had a five-point lead in the fourth quarter and score six points over the final 7-32. <laughs> and, and you wonder, like, are these dudes ever going to learn? Like, they only have three games left, maximum three games left. They may never learn. They may never have to learn. They may be okay with not learning that lesson. Man, I, I want to ask you, because obviously you're one of the people 
who covers the team most closely, right? So like you you've had a front row seat to just the, you know, the 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 roller coaster ride of a season this has been where you know, I was one of those people back in January, December, like I never thought I'd get here. Oh, you but, were always a Celtics hater. Let's be honest. Well, no, that's not true. I, I was mildly annoyed by the the freaking blowjobs that Danny Ainge would get in the media. <laughs> that that mildly annoyed me. Um, the Jason Tatum as you know the next Wilt Chamberlain mildly <laughs> annoyed me. Um, but that was it. Like that, that that the narrative around the Celtics in our profession would get on my nerves sometimes, right? It was like, oh, Danny Ainge is such a genius for trading washed up players to the Brooklyn Nets. Hello. We all knew these guys were cooked. The Nets were freaking idiots, but that turned into, wow, Danny, he's so brilliant. And then, you know, Jason Tatum has a great rookie year. He has a great playoffs. And we know rookies don't usually perform in the playoffs. And I was like, look, he performed, but, like, he was doing it against Rodney Hood. Like, do we have to, like... The Jordan Clarkson is tough. Yeah, exactly. He was doing it while being guarded by Jordan Clarkson. Like, I, Marco I get Marco Bellinelli it. is no joke. <laughs> I'm like, I get it. It's, it's like he had a beautiful promising season, but, like, I, I don't know that I'm going as crazy as everybody else. It was the narrative. However, I will say this. Um, I feel like people who were praising Danny for a lot of the stuff that he was doing even if they were way more effusive than they needed to, they were more right than I am because he did. Basically, he brought all of these guys in. Except for Big Al, who shouts to um, Brad Stevens for being like, no, I'm bringing this guy back. Um, but like the core, the young guys, these are all age decisions, ultimately. He deserves props for that. I used to be annoyed by Tatum and his, my go-to move is a step back, 22-foot two-pointer. Um, contested as hell, because I think I'm Kobe. That used to annoy me, but he's gotten way better at that, right? Like, he's gotten better at diversifying his his shot chart. He's gotten so much better as a playmaker. Um, that's the thing about him and Brown. Like, as much as I love Jalen Brown, and I used to troll people and say, you know, Brown's better than Tatum, he doesn't have as much responsibility on the offense as Tatum does. Tatum is tasked with, like, literally getting these guys involved. So... To watch the evolution of this squad has been dope, but who do you think it is that it's on with seven minutes to go to organize this group into better stuff than attacking in the one-on-one super stagnation? Yeah, I don't think it's just one person. I, I put it on Jason Tatum. I put it on Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. And I, th- I think Marcus Smart is often the one who organizes those guys who gets them into the right sets, who who notices where the mismatches are. And if, if you watch their late-game offense, a lot of the times Marcus Smart is running pick-and-roll with Jason Tatum, whether it's Smart handling the ball, Tatum handling the ball. Like, that has been a, a very good look for the Celtics. So I think it's on those three guys. And, I mean, it, it's crazy how quickly – a game can turn into a disaster at this high level of basketball. Like, like game four, I didn't think they were like pathetic down the stretch, but 
there were a few opportunities when it was like Jalen Brown is running a pick and roll to try to get Jordan Poole on him. I think Jordan Poole was guarding Marcus Smart. And Jalen rejects the screen and goes at Clay. And it's like, <laughs> that's the moment when you have to recognize we need to go at Jordan Poole. Clay Thompson has done a great job defensively during this fourth quarter. Let's go at someone else. Mm. And and it's a little stuff like that 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 can get them in trouble sometimes. And and they just have to be more aware of of who they want to go at, where they want to go, and and getting better opportunities. And then I think, you know, say all that, and then just Tatum has to be better. Tatum <clears throat> shooting 34% during this, this series, shooting 14 for 51 from two. From two. <laughs> Like that, it's almost impossible. <laughs> like, there have been a couple it of makes bunnies. No sense. I said this on Bill's show after Game Four. It was in Game Three. He made some impossible runners, like down the stretch of that game when Golden State had got it back close, and Boston ultimately like willed themselves to that victory with energy and hustle and effort stuff. But there was also stuff on offense where he made some incredible finish runners at from the right side kissed it off the glass. I'm like, man, these are some expert level finishes. But in that same game, he missed some bunnies at the cup. Where I'm just like, bruh, like you need to finish. If you're going to get all the way to four feet from the basket and you have a relatively clean look, like those have to go in. Like Golden State is a good-ass defense, man. These are primo opportunities that he hasn't converted, and I thought game four was more of that. Like he just can't make anything in the paint, which makes me wonder, maybe he is better off just shooting over guys at 15 feet. Yeah, but even that hasn't been good. The the long two rate during during this series is really bad too. And and I, I do wonder so he's gotten and it seems counterintuitive, but he's gotten so much better at not settling for that long two. And normally when he gets to that now, it's it's deep in the shot clock, right? It, it's it's something that he's cycled through other options. He's looked for other things he can get. He's tried to get other guys involved, draw the help defense figure out opportunities so that he doesn't have to take as many of those. I do wonder if against this Warriors defense, this is going to sound counterintuitive, but like try to get some of the early looks and, Mm. and get like, if you can get a clean look from pull up too, like not, not one of the really bad ones that's super contested. Some of the stuff where he's turning around, he's falling. Like, you know, some people on their fall away, they fall backwards Tatum's falling to the side. And it's just like, man, like that's a tough angle. Like you're not square. At least even, you know, if you're falling backwards, your shoulders are still square to the hoop. Tatum's at like a a freaking obtuse angle. His shoulders are. And he unsurprisingly hasn't made them. So yeah, if he's getting a square look and he can shoot over most of these defenders, um, maybe that is the, the ones that he should be taking. Yeah, and 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 who knows? Maybe I'm just an idiot. Maybe maybe he, he needs it. But but the the play that I'm thinking of, one one of the plays I'm thinking of, is late in the fourth, and he gets a loony switch, right? And and instead of just 
getting Looney on his heels, pulling up, taking what would have been probably a pretty easy two. Like, Kevon Looney is not going to stress mm-hmm. Jason Tatum on a shot. He tries to drive by him baseline, gets doubled, ends up having to spin out, run a pick and roll, and then at the end of the shot clock, gets Steph on him, and it's like, too late to try to create any space and he airballs it. Hmm. And that's a situation like I I know they they've made so many strides because Jason Tatum has started to turn down good for great. Like that is the evolution that he's made this season that has transformed them. But I do wonder if in some ways he has to go backwards on that and and just get the good shots because this Warriors defense is so good, so smart. They've got like their help defense is just you got Draymond, you got Looney, you got Steph, who was always in the right position. It's yep. just so many smart defenders that even when they're not like fully there, I, f- I feel like they make you they make you feel them like they're there, like they're they're stunting, they're they're making an impact even when they're not like directly there. And so it's a totally different challenge than even the Heat, who had tons of great individual defenders but didn't send as much help, or the Bucks, who just had two huge dudes in the paint but also gave him a lot of space outside of that. So it's just a totally different challenge that he has to solve now. So let's talk about the other side of the ball because obviously Steph Curry, to me, had the best game I've ever seen him play. Uh, when you consider the stakes, like the season was on the line. Um, you consider the opponent, the talent level – on the defensive side of the ball and what Steph went out and did, that was incredible. Incredible. Like it was just ridiculous. It, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. It was it I can't say enough about how great Steph was. Like that was all time greatness. Uh a level of play that, like, you know, you can count on your one hand the amount of people who have ever played at that level with those level of stakes. Um that being said, uh, you know, people are wondering, like, is there a different way to play Steph Curry? Um, I'm kind of of the mind to just be better at what they've already been doing. I don't like the strategy of telegraphing your hard double or blitz of Steph and giving the Warriors the most cerebral offensive team in the league. Like, all right, we know we, we not only do we, do we have an advantage, we know exactly when and where it's coming and we can attack that. I don't think that's the play. What do you, what have you been hearing about maybe what they should do to switch it up? Because again, that play where Steph made the floater after Rob got switched on him, then Rob basically just let him dribble by and it was a miscommunication. To me, that's just Rob fatigue. That's the play. Rob switching out on the guy, making him shoot over, but that's not what he did because he was tired and he just let him go through for a nice floater from 15. I'm satisfied with the way the the Celtics have played defense. What do you think? Because it's hard to watch a guy drop a 40-piece on you that nasty and think, no, let's just keep doing that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, Steph is going to do ridiculous stuff. Yeah. Like, no matter what defensive coverage you throw on him, he's going to do ridiculous stuff. I, and and I think you look at the numbers. Okay, I, I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now. So the Warriors in the half court, 83.9 points per 100 plays. That's that's the game. Which which <laughs> that's that's not even great. Like that, that's bad. That's an 18th percentile <laughs> of, of all playoff of all playoff uh, games. So 
you, you're doing a fine job in the half court. To me, where they've gotten in trouble is when the bad offense bleeds into the defense. Bad transition, yep. And so you got to have better shot selection. you got to stay away from the bad turnover, the live ball turnovers. And, and that's where Steph, I mean, he's going to hurt you no matter what. But that, that's where it, it goes from, okay, up five, up six to all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, down four. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you because I think if you send two, if, if you blitz him all the time, then all of a sudden Draymond's a factor. Then all of mm-hmm. a sudden the other guys that have been pretty quiet throughout this series, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, like those guys come to life. And and Steph is so good because he's not just an offense for himself. He's an offense for everybody around him too. And and they've kind of shut that down to some extent by by playing him the way they have. I do think they have to be higher in their drop. Like you can't. Yeah. Give him the opportunities where he walks into a three. You cannot do that. You cannot slip like that. Um, but sometimes, like, the one play when when he came off the screen and roll and just pulled up from, like, 30 with Al Horford, like, pretty close to him. Yeah. It's just kind of like, like, just kind of tip your cap on stuff like that. But, yeah, I maybe, maybe Blitz every once in a while, like, keep him on his toes, but I don't think switching is the way either. I would have said before the series, like, go ahead, switch more. But he has toasted Horford yeah, whenever Horford ha- has the given problem. the switch. Al, Al on the switch is untenable. I think Grant Williams has gotten better. In the first couple of games, Steph was just just demolishing him. Like, yeah. creating seven feet of space off the dribble when Grant Williams was guarding him. I think he's gotten better at the switch. I think Rob, when his knee feels good, is perfect for the switch because he can give enough space that his length and his, like, the quickness with, with, with which he gets up off the ground, you know, makes the contest incredible. And so... I think Rob is mostly fine on the switch, but yeah, Al, Al has kind of been just like, <laughs> what they've done to Al in pick and roll. And I think, you know what? He was better. He was as, bet, as good as he's been all series in game four. Like he had that nice switch on Steph where he guided him towards that baseline and Steph took a long fadeaway too and bricked it badly. I was like, oh wow, big Al. Like that's an improvement upon the stuff where like, it was everything. It was like, you, when you don't switch, you're freaking five feet behind the dude that's setting the screen and letting this guy shoot wide open. When you do, Steph's either killing you to the spot at the basket for a layup, or he's doing it like he's getting the step back game going and creating, you know, oceans of space. I think the switch can work at times, but I do think you're right. Um, meeting Steph at the level um, and relying upon the guy who's on at the point of attack with Steph to get over that screen in a reasonable amount of time has been their best effort. But yeah, this stuff, there's no easy answers with this. But the rest of the guys on Golden State, I think they're doing a fine job on. Yeah. And 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 that's that's what you have to be happy about if if you are the Celtics. Like they've totally taken Draymond's offense out of the equation. Yeah. Like totally removed his offense. And he's normally Draymond out there looking like Bo Outlaw. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. 
<laughs> but for real. <laughs> Seriously, though. Oh, man. But, yeah. And then, I mean, Clay. Clay's had some moments, but hasn't really gotten untracked yet. I thought his defense down the stretch of game four was awesome. Like, he, he just... The shit he did was, on Jalen was incredible. That was just competitive greatness yep. right there. Mm-hmm. That was just him being a champion and yep. saying... I don't care that my body still isn't totally right. Like, I'm going to stay in front of this dude. I'm going to make things tough on him. He was awesome down the stretch. Uh, but, yeah, Jordan Poole, like, he was a factor in basically a, a quarter of one game, half of one game. Mm-hmm. Like, he hasn't really done too much. Looney's been awesome. And yeah. and I think the offensive rebounding is is a, a key for both teams too. Game three, Celtics dominated the glass, just totally crushed the Warriors on the glass. Game four, it kind of flipped a little bit. And Looney's just a monster on the glass, man. Like Lo- Looney's a <laughs> Bro. Looney's a force. I said it, I said it after the game. I was like, this dude's hands are like super glue. As long as he gets his paw on that damn ball, like it's it's his. And it's crazy. It's not like he's the most, you know, um, explosive dude. It's just he understands angles and he has the best hands probably of any big in the league right now. Like, he catches Only everything. Only because Ennis Freedom's out the league. Oh, yeah, right, right. The Illuminati got him. <laughs> Forgot about that dude. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. So 
What's your sense of how the Celtics are feeling going into this? Are they are they like a supremely confident bunch? Um, what do you feel about how they're feeling going into these last three? They've kind of been unflappable. Mm. Like it's weird because this core had never been past the conference finals. They'd never really accomplished anything of real significance together. But even dating back to the, the game five loss against Milwaukee, like that was as bad as a loss gets. They were up, I think it was double digits in the fourth quarter, ended up like Marcus Smart had three turnovers in the final minute. Bobby Portis rebounds the free throw, puts it back in. Like that was a crushing, deflating loss. Like as bad as losses get almost, that non-elimination game losses get. And they even then, they just kind of expressed a confidence that is just like, it's weird. Um, and I think that's allowed them to be great on the road throughout the playoffs. It's allowed them to bounce back from losses at an elite level in the playoffs. They still haven't lost two games in a row, I believe, in the playoffs. So that's kind of the vibe they gave off after game four is like, yeah, we wish we didn't. <laughs> we wish our offense didn't crumble in the fourth, but we'll go we'll go out to chase center and we'll we'll play some more good basketball and hopefully get one there um so yeah they they, they've they've had a real toughness about them this year and i don't know whether it's because of email doko whether it's just because they have a lot of tough guys uh whether it's just because they found something as a team they all deeply believe in but but yeah they've been pretty unflappable in I mean, you saw it. They they won game six on the road in Milwaukee. They won game seven on the road in Miami. Now to do it against Steph, though, that they may, they're may they playing with fire. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to get you out of here on this because I think you are the perfect person to ask this question, Jay. Um, you being a white hooper yourself, uh, <laughs> you've, you've seen... I don't know where this is going. You're you gonna being a it. white hooper. <laughs> You've seen, I'm, I'm excited for where this is going. You've seen the Bielitsa numbers against oh, yeah. the Jason Hooper. Tatum. Okay. You've seen that, and I tweeted on on Twitter. I tweeted on Twitter. What a stupid sentence! What <laughs> the fuck else are you gonna tweet? I, I, put, I put out a tweet. I put out a tweet saying like they're clearly only attacking this dude because he's white. Because Jordan Poole is on the floor and they're just letting him chill. Do you agree with my hypothesis, my theory, that that Bielitsa's only being attacked because he's white and particularly because he's a white Euro? White dudes always get attacked, man. It's been <laughs> story of my life. I can remember being at, at LA Fitness in, in Baltimore when I was in college. <laughs> And, you know, I was playing with bums. And I was a college basketball player. These dudes were still trying to go at me. And Bielitsa feels that right now. He feels that right now. But my thing is, the way that the Celtics are attacking Bielitsa is worse than just attacking him in general. Mm. He's okay if he if he's just in isolation when he's there. You know, like he, he's big enough. He's, he's got smart size. You enough. can't push him around. He yep. can take angles. You're not going to big boy him right. And but get him out in space, like get him covering covering around a screen, get him in a closeout situation. If, if he's in a closeout situation, like he's he's done, he's toast. And so so it's to me, it's like 
the way that they're going at him is worse than the fact that they're going at him in general. Like if, if you can get him in space, if you can get him moving, like he, he's not going to be able to keep up. But if you, you put him in a stagnant ISO, then yeah, he's going to force Jason Tatum to, to make a tough shot over the top of him. That's just kind of how it's been. I did not, <laughs> then he, but he stoned, he stoned Tatum. Then he ripped Jalen. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I was like, am I watching the Monstars right now? Like, are these dudes being stripped of their powers right now? This is this is crazy. Well, man, you know, I got to say, I, I was disgusted at home watching the soft bigotry of low expectation of the white hooper. And <laughs> B, I hope B-Elites approved the point to these cats, man, and, and stop this reverse racism ASAP. They got to watch Hustle, man. Wancho <laughs> Bo Cruz will, will show you that a, a white man can play D. Oh, man. Jay, thank you for coming on today, man. I really appreciate this. Tell the people where they can find your, your incredible work, bro. Yeah, I, right, at, right at The Athletic uh, podcast, Anything is Potable, and The Athletic NBA show, The Basketball Buzz, which comes out every Monday morning. Shout out to my man, Jan Packer. Tell him I said what up. Yeah, um, I will. Um, all right, man. That was our show for today. Make sure you're checking out all of our finals coverage. We're all over this thing. Mismatch, real ones. Obviously, Bill's show, Rosillo. We are on the finals. Um, make sure you're checking out all our coverages. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.